Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode, actually episode 10, of the Really Real Real Estate Podcast with your host, Jason Wilcox. My name is Lou Lombardi. Today, the tortoise and the hare, part one. No, we are still talking about real estate. This is a metaphor, okay? (laughs) By now, we all know the story of the tortoise and the hare. It's not about getting to the finish line the fastest, but rather that slow and steady that really wins the race. This exact same concept can be applied to investing in real estate. Today, we talk about the difference between short-term and long-term investing and what some of the key advantages are to long-term investing in real estate. And now here is your host, the handsome devil himself, the the the, the, the Ayatollah of real estate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Ayatollah of real estate. I love uh, Jason it. Jason Wilcox. <laughs> that that just made my day. I'm I'm a huge uh, fan. I don't know if I've ever told you this, Lou. I'm a huge wrestling fan, so I'm a huge fan of Chris uh, Jericho, who also has the band Fozzy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he always calls himself the Ayatollah of rock and roll. So the fact that you used Ayatollah to introduce me, I, that just made my day. <laughs> All right. All right. So we'll have to remember that for a future podcast. Yes. <laughs> we'll get T-shirts made or something. The Ayatollah real estate we could so, be with matching t-shirts <laughs> there we are um so let's get into this uh, short-term versus long-term investment short-term do you mean like like flipping and long-term is like rentals and stuff like that Correct. Yeah. Essentially what happens is when we get involved in investment properties, there's two ways of looking at it. And so today's uh, conversation, we're really going to be focusing on long-term investment. But before we get into that, I just kind of wanted to to define the difference. So yeah, short-term, we're really talking about flipping. We're talking about looking at purchasing foreclosed properties. That was actually our last episode um, with Milo Heinemann, who was wonderful. If you didn't hear that podcast episode, go back. He had a ton of great information. But the idea with short term is that we have people that are looking to buy um, dilapidated properties, fix them up, and then try to get it back on the market relatively quickly. Usually, I want to say within probably six to 12 months, and they're usually trying to buy undervalue, put a ton of work into it, and then try to get it up over market value and try to make a profit um, in the short term. And a lot of these guys that do it full time are usually trying to do anywhere from 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 properties a year when they're doing the, the short term or the flipping as, as the, the, the lay people know it. Um, long-term investment properties, we're really looking at rentals. We're looking at developing a rental portfolio and we're looking at um, trying to collect a monthly rent, um, make a little bit of money, but at the end of the day, we're looking at kind of um, the 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 long term investment over 10, 15, 20, 25 years um, and how we can make money over not necessarily the short term, but looking more at the long term picture. OK, um, <clears throat> long term investment properties are no different than than under any other like long term investment. Correct. 
Correct. Yeah. So, so essentially, so, so, like, we, so even like if you're so like stocks, bonds, things yeah. like that, this is a similar kind of way of thinking. Yeah, 401ks, Roth IRAs, things of that nature. And, you know, essentially what what we mean by that is, you know, when you're looking at short-term investing, you know, again, you're looking at how low can you buy it? How much work can you do for the, the, the least amount of money? And then how can you get the most out of money when you sell it? When you're looking at long-term investing in the rental market, um, you're looking at it through the same uh, looking glass as you would any of your other long-term uh, financial investments. And before we go any further, just a disclaimer, I know all of our listeners know, but I am not your licensed CPA or financial advisor. So if you have any questions on the financial or the tax side, you're really going to want to talk to um, your CPA or your tax accountant or your financial planner. But yeah, with investment properties, just like your Roths, your 401ks, you're not looking at it today or tomorrow or next week or even next month or even next year. God, none of us are looking at our 401ks. <laughs> right, now, yeah, right now, I yeah. think all of us are well below six feet under with our 401ks. I actually tell people my 401k is doing fabulously right now. You know how it's doing fabulously, Lou? How is it doing fabulously? Because I, I haven't looked at it. Oh, you haven't looked at it. Okay. The Ayatollah real estate is not looking at his 401k right now. Exactly. But the, the idea is that what you're looking at with an investment property is, you know, you're looking at the value of a property that you're going to hold on to for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. And just like with Roths and, and 401ks and stocks and bonds, you know, you look at the S&P 500 and you see that over 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, there is growth. There's maturation. There's appreciation. And, you know, that appreciation could be four, six, eight, 10, 12 percent. And it's the same thing with your uh, residential um, real estate portfolio is that if you buy properties and we're going to talk a little bit about what to look for in a high quality rental property. But if you buy in a good area and you you pay off the, the mortgage, if you if you don't end up paying cash for it, you build equity in the home, you take care of it, you don't let it go into ruins. And again, if it's in a good area and it gets appreciated over time, that's going to make you money so that when you sell it, you sell it for a lot more than you paid for it, as well as, you know, you've built equity in the home and that is going to be a large return, you know, on your investment when you go to sell 15, 20, 25 years down the road. Okay. So let, let me ask you a question uh, before we get into what you should be looking for in, in, in rental property. Um, is the, is the return primarily then on the having the rental property and then selling it 15, 20 years down the road, or is there the money in the actual collecting the rent? Because I've always thought about, you know, I, my, my family has done the rental thing with people and everything. And it always just seemed like it was kind of a pain in the neck with the <laughs> rental properties, you know, people calling you at three o'clock in the morning because this isn't working or that isn't working or a lot. Yep. You end up putting so much into it. Uh, we just, we sold the property and the lady, <clears throat> what she did was on the last three months, um, she, she stopped paying the rent um, and right. because she knew she was moving and uh, was it, you know, so we got a little, we got screwed a little wee bit on that. Right. So, so where is the main, so, I mean, how should people be thinking so that they don't go into this, like thinking they're going to get rich, you know, and be right. too brokenhearted. Over right. the, situation? The, the answer to your question, Lou is yes. 
um, so yeah, the to me, the, the, it's a double edged sword. You know, as far as the because you have to look at both sides of it. I, I don't want to uh, belittle either side. They're they're both important sides. But when we talk about the large financial gain, it's going to be on the resale. Okay. Hopefully, you let's say you buy a good you know decent uh, rental property. Let's say in an area that's one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you hold on to it for twenty five years. You you keep it in good shape. You know, maybe you sell it for two hundred and ten thousand, two hundred and you know, fifteen, two hundred twenty thousand. So, in terms of the large gain, yeah, it's going to be on the back end when you sell it. However, one of the things you have to be careful of with any rental property is that you do have to focus on the month to month. The last thing you want to do is you don't want to buy a property for where your monthly mortgage is 1200 a month and the max in that neighborhood you're going to get is 1000 because then you're going to still be paying $200 out of pocket a month and that's a problem. So, so the so idea it, is that for the at least for the mortgage you want the rent to be trying to be covering as much of the cost as possible. Right, exactly. And, and and to that point, and actually, uh, the reason why we called it part one, um, today's episode is because part two next week, we're actually going to bring in a, um, a, a wonderful um, gentleman who has a great deal of experience in the in the property management world. Um, we're going to we're going to talk a lot more about property management companies and how, how they kind of come into play. But yeah, what you have to be careful of is when you collect your rent, you have to make sure that it's not just the monthly mortgage, but that there's money in there that you can set aside every month for, you know, repair and you know your property management fees if you're not going to do it on your own uh, because I will say you know Lou you mentioned getting phone calls at three in the morning there's a way to avoid that you just you hire a property management which, company which to do is it. we're going to get into in part two so right. what should we be looking for uh, when we're thinking about uh, getting into uh, rental properties yeah so there's really three main things that I like to to coach my clients on who are looking for investment properties again at least here in Pittsburgh it may be a little bit different for areas outside the city of Pittsburgh but the first thing uh, I always talk about and I know it sounds cliche but you hear all the time location 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 and at least in Pittsburgh um, if you look at over the past 25 50 75 100 years in our real estate market um, you can see that areas um, where you have high quality school districts have continue to do well. They continue to, you know, slowly appreciate and year after year, even if we have some rough years like, you know, the Great Recession of 08, um, or even, you know, there were there were financial hardships, I know, in the late 80s. Um, if you look to high quality school districts, you're still going to see some general appreciation year over year. Um, in addition to the great school district, if you're in a location that's maybe near the city of Pittsburgh, maybe you are near, um, if you're within walking distance to uh, public transportation. I know here um, where Lou and I are from the South Hills um, and into Washington County, you know, we have what's called, well, more more the South Hills, we have what's called the T, which is a light rail that you can hop on in the South Hills Village. And literally in 35 minutes, you can take it right into the city of Pittsburgh. And to have that 35 minute uh, light rail trip that is, um, you know, bypassing all of the rush hour traffic, and you're not sitting an hour and a half of rush hour traffic getting to the city, that's a great selling point. So the first thing I always tell people is you'll want to look at location um, specifically for public transportation and for, for the school district. The second thing I always like to bring up is that you want to have something that's in respectable shape. You know, again, we talked about with short-term uh, investments with the flipping, you're looking at um, 
you know, having to do a lot of work in a very short amount of time with long-term investments, because your uh, profits are much, much, much more marginal on a month to month basis. You know, you may be only making a couple of bucks. You don't want to have properties that need 20, 30, 40, 50, $60,000 worth of work just to get a renter in there. You want to buy something that is in um, respectable shape so that you can get someone in there quickly, start collecting the rent. And then as you're collecting rent, you can save up a little bit. And with each new tenant, you can do little things to the property. You can maybe throw new countertops in there, maybe um, spruce up the carpet or refinish the hardwood floors, doing some minor stuff. But all in all, the ba- the major structure and the major items in in, in the house are in, in high quality shape. Um, and the last thing that you, you really want to look for is you want to look for appropriate amenities. And this is the big pitfall that I see with a lot of investors. Mm. And when I say appropriate amenities, I want to be clear. Um, you don't in a rental need the biggest, best, brightest, newest. You don't need granite countertops. You don't need stainless steel appliances. You know, you don't need, you know, just all these crazy features, but what you do need is you need, um, good quality, you know, material. You don't want rugs and, and carpet that have stains from 20 years ago. You know, you don't want to have hardwood floors that are so ripped up. I, I actually learned this hard way, Lou. I don't know if you know this. Did you know if you slide across a hardwood floor, you can actually get a splinter? <laughs> you know, and I've seen it happen where, you know, especially some of these hundred year old homes um, in some of the parts of our, our city, you know, those hardwood floors are in really rough shape. You want to make sure that you you have appropriate amenities. And the other thing that I've really seen with a lot of our, our rentals here is, you know, renters will pay more for certain features that you wouldn't think of. For example, if you live near the city, I promise you, you're going to get a lot more money if you have a property with two off-street parking or maybe a one-car integral garage. If you live near the city and um, you know you have to on-street park in, in an area of the city where um, these streets are already very narrow because they were built in you know the 1800s when cars were a third of the size of what they are now, um, there's a lot of people that don't want to on-street park. They don't want to come home at 5.30 and have to have to fight for it. They don't want to have to climb you know 27 stairs to get to the top of their property. So you just, you want to look for little things like those because even though you know they're, they're renters and, and, and they're renting for whatever reason they may be, you still want to be off, able to offer appropriate amenities, and you would be shocked at you know a parking pad or somewhat of a level entry or a washer and dryer that are in good shape. These are all uh, amenities that will give you a much larger return than, than what you would imagine uh, when it comes to, to finding uh, not just tenants, but high-quality tenants who pay on time and, and want to stay long-term. Right. If you don't have to go to the laundromat, you know, uh, if you can, if you come on with your groceries and you can walk right into the house and bring your groceries in, you don't have to park, ha- you know, a block away or half a block away. Exactly. I have friends that live in the city that have to do yep. that shenanigans, you know, it's a yep. giant pain in the neck. And, uh, you know, the places they're renting are much cheaper than the places where you do get a couple yep. of little things. Like and that. I'll give you, I'll give you a quick example, Lou. Uh, this past year alone, I had two rentals um, in, in, in a certain part of the city and they were one street over from each other. And the, the one was a three bedroom, three and a half bath. The other one was three bed, two full baths, the three bedroom, three and a half bath. I fought tooth and nail for four months trying to get someone to rent it for 1400 a month. And the other one, one street over, I rented, uh, in one week for 2000. And the only difference 
the one for 2000 actually had three bedrooms like the first one. The third bedroom was actually so small, it should have been a two and a half bedroom. But the only difference was the one that rented for 2000 had uh, a one car integral garage and the other one had um, on street parking um, in a road that was very narrow and it had about 27 steps going up into the property. Those two things alone caused two properties, one street over from the other in the exact same neighborhood, 1400 versus 2000 a month in rent. Yeah. It's something, it's really something to think. You got to look at it from the perspective of the person who's going to rent, what their kind of lifestyle is going to be. And yep. that, you know, that this place really kind of like, uh, you know, meets the meets, meets their needs for, for, you know, the type of life they're living. Um, you yeah. have, and, have and, and I'll leave you, I actually, Luke, before we move on, I'll, I'll leave you with this. The other thing as an investor, the one word I have for you is longevity. Your goal is to get a tenant in that's high quality, that pays on time that wants to stay if you can get a long um longevity out of a tenant three four five seven eight ten years that's what you want you don't want to overturn because when you overturn you're going to lose money in the transition finding a new tenant yeah that's always a pain in the neck and um Yep. Yeah, yeah, well, definitely. Um, so um, let's talk about passive income, because I was sort of alluding to that a little bit before with the, with the rentals. You want to get into a little detail on that? Yes. And actually, th- this is another one that's a little bit of a deceptive point, because I, I, I threw this in here because um, I wanted to make a point. <clears throat> one of the things that I see as a common mistake with uh, a lot of investors is that, you know, this, like anything else that you do, and we go back to earlier where we talk about long-term uh, investment properties are really no different than any of your, your other long-term vehicles. And, you know, the idea with, you know, stocks and bonds and Roths and all, all of that is that you are picking up passive income. The goal is, you know, you're making money without having to work, uh, you know, really that hard. Without and if you do it the right way- Without exchanging time for dollars. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, and that's that's the goal. Um, and it, with that said, though, I like to remind people that the one difference, though, is that, yes, while you will get passive income when it comes to having rental properties, the one difference between this and all of your other long-term investment vehicles is that it is a business. Um, whether you are running it yourself or whether you have your team available to you, which we're going to talk about later and we're going to really dive into next week, um, it is a business. And so even if you have people helping you, you cannot be totally hands-off. I see a lot of um, investors get themselves into trouble because you know they don't want to answer the phone when it rings. They don't want to handle issues. They don't want to make decisions. They don't want to make repairs. So keep in mind that while, yes, this is passive income, just like any of your other uh, financial portfolio, please keep in mind that this is a business you're running, whether it's one property or some people who have 150 rental properties, you want to make sure that you're treating it like a business because if you do and you keep you know, your finger on the pulse of what's going on, it's going to help make you more money. And ironically, by keeping your finger on the pulse of what you're doing, you're going to make more passive income. And I know that sounds very oxymoronic, but that is how it works. So, so what you're saying is be involved. Yes. Be involved. Yes. You can't just be completely absentee over it. Um, and I guess what we'll, I want to, I have a question. I guess we'll, we'll get into more next week is people with multiple, because it is hard to be personally involved when you've yes. got rental properties all over, all over, all over the city. You have to, you know, you, you know, you, you're definitely gonna need some help with that. But we'll get into that next week. So yeah. um, any, um, you always ask, so I'm going to ask. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any sort of uh, um, interesting stories or funny stories related to, uh, you know, working with people on these uh, uh, r- rental properties? 
Oh boy. Let me, let me think here. Um, I think I may have shared this story a, a couple of uh, episodes ago. So if I'm repeating myself, I, I, I do apologize, but um, I had a, I had a scenario once where um, I took out an investor um, looking at properties. We were looking all across the city. We had, I think we had in, in, in one day um, we ended up looking at 15 or 16 properties and uh, the property that we went to, um, did I tell the story about the kids that were playing outside? Um, there were like four or five kids playing outside and uh, the oldest uh, daughter came up to me, um, couldn't have been more than like 11, 12 years old. And um, I said, Hey, we're here for the showing. I had my investors with me. It was a rental property. So tenants were living there. She goes, Oh yeah, yeah. Mom, mommy and daddy are here, but they're, but they're sleeping right now. I said, okay. I said, well, can you know, you wake them up to make sure it's okay that we come into the property. And so she walks in and I hear her talking to her mom from the living room and I hear the mom say, yeah, it's okay. They can come on in. So we go on in. And by the time we walked from the front door to the living room, which is, I don't know, 10, 12 feet, she was already passed out on the couch again after her daughter just talking to her like 10 seconds before. And, and Lou, I don't know if you've ever had this experience or if you've never ever noticed this before, but you could tell this person was, was napping, but it wasn't really, I don't, I don't know if it was sleep induced. <laughs> so and, so and, and, there's a little bit of partying maybe going on. <laughs> yes. Yes. There were no evidence or, or remnants, but um, yeah, that, that, that was one. And actually I got another quick one that same day. We, again, we were, we were going all throughout the city. We were touring and we were going to look at a property. I, I can't remember where we were. If it was maybe like the South side or something, or, or, or maybe up on the, on the slopes. I can't remember, but I have in my GPS, this property. And I had, I had never been to this property before. Um, and what happened was we, I put it in my GPS. I'm driving. We're about a half a mile from the property. All of a sudden I pull up the road and it says road closed. Now, a lot of times what, what, what people may not know is that in the agent remarks uh, of the MLS, which is remarks that only agents can see, there will be notes pertaining to, to showing a property. And so if you have something like a road closed, the, the listening agent might make notes about, you know, Hey, be careful, go this way, or, you know, avoid this way. There might be a road closure or whatever. So there was nothing in the agent remarks. I didn't think of it. I figured, you know, there'd be public access to at least get to the property and we were driving to this property and the road literally just stopped okay <laughs> we were driving we were driving and literally we got to <laughs> we literally got to a point where there were like two cement barriers and we just could not go no further so when we talk about making sure you have easy access to the property that's a perfect example yeah. and and for those who don't know me i drive a, a chrysler aspen and if you don't know what a chrysler aspen is it's basically the the sister version of the dodge durango um and these are these are not small entities so trying to back this down in reverse on a on a road that was like whose size is too small for my car to be on there. I'm like trying to drive down, not fall off the cliff in reverse. <laughs> so do we have any final thoughts on, uh, you know, before we get into next week's uh, show um, where we get into a little more detail on this, any final thoughts that you want to express or share before we uh, wrap up for today, Jason? Yes. Um, actually, my final thoughts um, I'm going to leave with everyone is actually going to be kind of a, 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 a prequel to what we're going to be talking about next week. Uh, as I mentioned, next week, we're going to be uh, blessed and privileged to have Rodney Rhodes on here, who is the broker of record for, for Property Frameworks, um, which is a national property management company that runs out of uh, 15 states here in the United States. But um, my final thought is this. If you are thinking about getting into investment uh, properties and developing a rent, uh, an investment portfolio, whether it's one, five, 10, 50, a hundred, 500 properties, I don't care. 
you need to make sure that you get your team together. The most successful people in this business when it comes to investment um, properties and owning an investment portfolio have their team. And and what does that team look like? Not limited, but including to your real estate agent who's gonna help you buy and sell your properties and maybe even list them for, for leasing when that time comes. Your property management company that's gonna manage the property. And that's all on the real estate side. And then on the financial side, you need to have your CPA or your tax accountant um, or or your um, real estate attorney and your financial planner. You need to have those people involved because when you have an investment portfolio, there's different um, angles with all of those. There's financial implications um, that that come at you with, with at all different angles. And it's important that you have your team so that you don't get blindsided and end up owing somebody a lot of money because you were not aware of what all was really involved with an investment portfolio. And we're going to talk more about that next week. Excellent. Excellent, guys. So uh, there is money to be made here, and this can be a, a very cool yes. thing. But a uh, the one of the biggest things I got, one of the biggest take, takeaways I got out of this today was were two things. Was was the idea that the real ROI comes probably at the uh, you know down the road when you when you go to go to go to sell, and the other thing was <clears throat> being involved. You got to treat it like a business. It's not like a, it's not like a savings account, you know, yep. or you just put the money in and you don't have to look at it. You, you have, yep. you have, you have to be involved. The next week we're going to have, um, a, uh, real estate management, uh, uh, company on property management company, excuse me, property management, yeah, Rodney, company Rodney Rhodes, Rodney Rhodes, we're going to Rodney on, and we're going to discuss, um, you know, their involvement, your involvement, how we all interact together, how we all work together to make sure that, uh, you know, things go smoothly um, throughout this process. Um, you can get a hold of, you've been listening to uh, the uh, Really Real Real Estate uh, podcast with your host, uh, Jason Wilcox. My name is Lou Lombardi. Uh, you need to get a hold of Jason. If you're thinking about, you know, hey, I'm thinking about getting into some rental properties, you know, where do I start? Uh, J- Jason can help you with that. He, the Jason's phone number is 412 412- Six five one four six three eight. You can call or text, and if you're really shy, old school, you can email Jason at Jason at pittsburghmoves dot com. Guys, a, another wildly informative uh, show here next week. Uh, you want to check it out because we're going to get into part two. We, we talked about that, so come back and check us out on the uh, really real real estate podcast. Take care, guys. We'll see you next week. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.